you're listening to Coffee Talk with Father Brad. Hey guys, it's Father Brad Doyle, and you're listening to Coffee Talk. Adam, thanks for joining me. Gladly. You're drinking coffee. I'm drinking community coffee, hazelnut. And let me tell you, it's next level. I can smell the hazelnut from there. You're just starting off the night right with yeah, some coffee. Absolutely. Get some caffeine little, in you. A little afternoon breeze in the sails, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to have you on because uh, there's no one I could have thought more fitting to discuss our topic today than you. And our topic is Judas Iscariot. Thanks. I don't know how to take that. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that would be funny to start with. Oh, wow. So uh, today we're going to talk about Judas Iscariot, especially because Holy Week's coming up. Mm-hmm. He plays a big part um, in the Wednesday before the Triduum and the scriptures and obviously the go- the gospel of the passion and the betrayal. And people have a lot of questions. Uh, one of our listeners uh, had a question about him specifically. We'll get to that. But before that, uh, can we do some housekeeping? You yeah. down, down for that? Let's do it. Let's go around the world. So around the world is where uh, we look at who's listening from around the world, and we just kind of shout out different cities. Yeah. So uh, obviously we still have Singapore listening. We have Australia listening. Fantastic. Um, someone from Nigeria. Oh, excellent. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Listen up. Spread it. Nigeria is the most populous uh, country in Africa. Did you know that? I did not. No, that sounds fantastic. And um, so what I decided to do is the three cities to highlight. I wanted to pick names cities. So basically cities that have that are also names. So we cool. have someone from Bryan, Texas. Bryan. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, is that where Texas A&M is? Actually, I, I've never. No, College, College Station. Station. What, College what's Bryan? I don't know. I think maybe they go to together. Are they really close? Yeah, maybe. Is that what they are? Yeah. Um, also, Alexandria, Virginia. My sister's Alexandra, so I wanted to pick that one. Yeah, that's a nice one. So whoever you are, thanks for listening. Absolutely. And then finally, this is my favorite around the world, someone from Theodore, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> hey, shout out, Theodore. I'm just thinking of um, the chipmunks. Indeed. <laughs> There's not too many Theodores out there. I know a Theo, but and I asked him if he was a Theodore, and he explicitly said, no, I'm Theo. That's Father Longenecker's song. Indeed, yeah. If you know who Father Longenecker is, figure it out. The scandal. <laughs> <laughs> Just look it up. He's he's an Anglican convert, Catholic priest. Okay. Um, so that's it. We don't have any uh, listener-submitted feedback. If you want to give some feedback, if I get something wrong in the podcast, if uh, veteran Grace Krause gets something wrong, if you want to shout your disapproval of adam's hawaiian shirt he's wearing yeah email me at quizzical papist at gmail.com so let's go to patreon patreon's where we highlight people who support us on patreon do you know what patreon is adam Uh, i do yeah it's always exciting when people have enough faith in you to give you money like they invest some money some time some energy and uh so i want to highlight our newest patron Matt Chan. So listen to this, Adam. Matt was from Toronto. He's a Canadian. Wow. But he just moved to San Jose. He just moved to San Jose. Love it. Which is right outside of San Francisco. Right. Silicon Valley. Love it. His his roommates are Google Catholic Google bros. That's pretty gnarly. They work at Google. So you remember how Bishop Barron uh Yeah, I heard did about his, that. Did his talk at Google? Yeah, that was 
that was pretty groundbreaking. He also did it at Apple recently, I think, too. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's because Apple and Google are trying to like battle each other. Like, oh, you're going to have a bishop on? We're going to have a bishop on. Yeah. But Google Catholic, these guys at Google that are Catholic, they're in a young adult Catholic group. They uh, they got him in. And so Matt uh, lives with them. That's cool. He just moved there for his job. So thank you, Matt Chan, San Jose. We're going to visit him when mm-hmm. I go out to California. Me, Grace, and John Bim. We're going to go have dinner, get a drink, uh, maybe record a show out there. So Please do. That would be legendary. If you want to support and get a shout-out, uh, $1, you'll become a Swiss guard. That's it. $1 a month. That is $12 a year. You might as well just blow your nose with $12 a year. <laughs> Don't do that. That's I think it's illegal actually, but um but you could support it and then you get a shout out and it helps uh offset the cost of running this, all the hosting stuff. Um go to Patreon P A T R E O N dot com backslash quizzical papist. And finally, uh to our reviews. So we have our our last review that I haven't talked about from the SKP machine. What do you think SKP stands for, Adam? Social Kazakhstan populist. I don't know. What is it? You nailed it. I thought so. Actually, I don't know. (laughs) But the SKP machine gives us five estrellas. And uh, it says, the quizzical papist combines two of my great enthusiasms, the faith and pub quiz. Dude, this is why I do this, SKP Machine. <laughs> like, I love pub quiz. I love bar trivia. I love hanging out with my friends at bars. And I love God. I love the faith. So you are the perfect quizzical papist listener. You are a Catholic nerd who likes beer. The machine. Thank you. The machine. the machine. Yeah, and he also says, huzzah. <laughs> the only down... Wait, he gives a downside. The only downside is the occasional factual inaccuracies. <laughs> A bugbear that haunts all quiz masters. Keep up the great work, Padre Brad. Oh, it's not a good review. I, I like this. It's dude. like he's actually has some critique, which I enjoy. And I had to look up bugbear. Bugbear is like a Dungeon of Dragons reference. Gnarly. So this dude probably likes Stranger Things, <laughs> which hey, I'm, I appreciate. I also appreciate. And so uh, I just one uh, one extension and invitation to uh, Mr. Machine. We'd love to know exactly which facts you believe that Padre Brad uh, had inaccurate. I'd love to love to hear. I've been trying to do the little intern like, actually, that was in 1928. <laughs> I've been trying to do that, but it hasn't gone well. Mm. You ready for our topic? Let's crush it. Judas. Ooh. No, Judas is our topic. You're not Judas. Yes. So Michael and McGinnis listener says, I fathered Brad. I had a possible podcast podcast slash short coffee talk talk topic to suggest. This totally may have a mega simple answer, but it's something I've always wondered about. In chapter 26 of the gospel of Matthew verse 24, specifically this statement just irked me for a while. And I want to know the meaning behind it seems harsh and even a hint of anti pro-life. Hmm. That's in the gospel. Heretic. No, I'm joking. (laughs) The son of man indeed goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had never been born. Hmm. So he's talking about Judas Iscariot, correct? Yes. And so she's asking, how do we explain this? 
in the gospel. It, it seems contradictory. It seems um, not true. It seems, and I keep saying seems because obviously if it's in scripture and God inspired it, then it must be on our job to interpret it correctly. Um, or there's a factual error in the scriptural text or something like that and copying. Mm. That's what Augustine says. But what does Jesus mean and how do we reconcile it? And then it got me to this topic of Judas, like just Judas in general. How do we feel about Judas? What do we think um, about this man, especially approaching Holy Week and all the implications? So what I wanted to do is start Judas Iscariot. Who is he? It's a guy who portrayed Jesus, right? Yeah. One of the apostles. Yeah. That's number one is that he was an apostle. So he was a bishop. And uh, we ought not be completely blown away when um, one of his the apostles and even their successors, you know, turns bad or does some vicious things because Judas himself, who was one of the first 12, uh, turned from him. So he's an apostle. And that's important to, to note from the very beginning that the church isn't perfect. Sure. That's what helps me, at least whenever things are going bad in the church and um, bishops are stupid. Yeah. That's just a, a reminder of the way of the human heart. It's a, it's a great mystery, you know, that in um, part four of the catechism, when uh, then Cardinal Ratzinger says, great is the mystery of faith. I, I, in the very first portion on prayer and prayer being the, the chief place of, of, of communion between the human heart and God. And I'm just like, yeah, man, I'm so glad they started with that. Cause prayer is a mystery. The human heart is a mystery. The faith is a mystery. And, and even those who, who try like Judas to walk closely with Jesus, even for years, camping with him, watching him perform miracles and listening to him speak, learning how he, you know, <laughs> folds his tunics and, 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 you know, takes takes care of every detail of his life, watching the Lord, perfect charity act in the world. And still he suffers and falls against tremendous temptation Man, it's a mystery to me how that could happen. But it's also, you know, it's very humbling because if Judas, who had the benefit of walking with Jesus so closely, can fall so hard, so hard, then like, what about me? What what about us every day? You know, we're also capable of falling if we're not uh, walking out our path with the Lord with fear and trembling, you know? Vigilant. He was also a thief. So he used to steal from the money bags, uh, use his position for money and power, which is a, a theme throughout history. People using their power, their authority, their position mm. for their own gains. Um, and people don't realize it. You hear that? Yeah. Is that tinfoil? I think it's tinfoil. <laughs> um, so John twelve six says this, Adam. He did not say this because he cared about the poor. So this is whenever the woman comes right. to break alabaster over his feet, I think, believe. Um, and, and, and they were all arguing. And Judas was like, we could have sold that and given it to the poor. Right. <laughs> Just um, but, like that. But scripture says, <laughs> isn't that how Judas talks? Indeed. Give it to the poor. <laughs> he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. So scripture calls him this as keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was put into it. <laughs> wow. So he was a thief um, that he was also um, number three. He was the first to leave mass early. That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. He sure did. The Judas shuffle. The Judas <laughs> shuffle is whenever you receive the Eucharist and without due importance or some kind of extraordinary circumstance with means like you have to leave early, like you're going to labor mm-hmm. or what are other reasons you should leave mass early? 
um, I don't know. I'm uh, immediately. I'm. I can't think of too many. Uh, I mean, you have to poop. Uh, you know, if you would, you, would you, Adam, you, would you stay in mass and poop on yourself? <laughs> I, I, you know, I've never been in that situation, but I think I think I'd probably make a sprint if. Uh, okay, good. If, I'm if, just making sure that your scrupulosity <laughs> didn't cause everyone in the church. I don't, I don't want to mor- mortify others <laughs> by, yeah. with my natural. You would uh, ruin. You, yeah. <laughs> I am holy. I am in my feces. You s- okay, I'll move on. Yeah. So he left mass early, but he was just running away. So it says he dipped the morsel. He received the Eucharist mm. after consecration at the, at the Last Supper, the first mass, the Last Supper, and he ran out. Um, also, <clears throat> you know what? This is interesting. He should have left earlier. Explain. I'll explain. Benedict uh, the 16th in one of his Wednesday audiences was Mm. talking about Judas and he was talking about the church and people in the church who stay too long in the church that hate the church and that want to destroy it, that are enemies of God that should leave, but stay in to hurt it from inside. Mm. Listen to this. He says, Judas could have left as many disciples did. Indeed, he should have left had he been honest Instead, he stayed with Jesus, not out of faith, nor out of love, but with the secret desire of taking revenge against the master. Why? Because Judas felt betrayed by Jesus and decided in turn to betray him. Judas was a zealot. He wanted a a winning Messiah, one who would lead a revolt against the Romans. However, Jesus did not live up to these expectations. The problem is that Judas did not leave, and his fault is that of falsehood, which is the mark of the devil. For this reason, Jesus told the 12, yet is not one of you a devil. And so I think what Benedict was actually probably pointing out some people in the hierarchy um, and maybe even some bishops or people who maybe just need to be honest about their own where they are and not hurt the church from within. Does that make sense? It does make fantastic sense. And um, it might sound counter, counter counterintuitive, but uh, he left mass early, but he should have left earlier. Meaning, um, if you're not for the Lord, then you're actually going to do a greater disservice if you're trying to hurt it from within. Hmm. And he shouldn't have received the Eucharist in, to be, in the beginning, right? Okay, next. Um, better to never have been born. How do we explain this? Do you have any ideas? That that's a difficult one. Uh, for me, actually, it raises a few questions in my heart. I'd like to voice here. So what is one thing that immediately one might be uh, prone to think is that this might be cause for alarm because, well, did, did God know that Judas would sin in this way? And therefore is our Judas's actions predetermined is, is, is a determinism sort of at play here? In which case, how can we explain this does judas have free will did judas willingly deny uh, his loving messiah or like i don't know how the how the heck do do, does my free will matter is it was my time on earth determined the quality of my actions in the eyes of god so how how can we say this because i believe i believe that we must work against any subtle determinism in our theology and our philosophy and our understanding of the will of the human person, because it's some, some place in the human heart, we have the capacity to choose. We have the capacity to choose. And this is why Judas will, will suffer the fate that Jesus prophesies over him because he has chosen 
but but did did God know this at, uh, ahead of time? Tell me a little, tell me a little bit about this, Father Brad. I know you got your masters in theology, and uh, I mean masters of divinity, ma- masters of divinity. I beg your pardon. But so anyway, those those are some things that I'd be prone to think. Yeah. So I think it's um, so we must hold free will, but we must hold God's providence. This is really just the heart of a big problem that the church had hmm. in the Renaissance with Calvin and the reformers, sure. and the church's orthodox teaching. And the te- the truth is always in the tension. The tension between the divinity and humanity of Christ, right. the tension between everything, but here between the free will of man and the, the providence of God. And we, one professor of mine made a distinction. He said, knowing something is going to happen is not the same thing as making it happen. So he allows by his permissive will, which is a cause in itself. He allows Judas to exist. He could have just you no longer exist, right? Sure. But he allows them to exist. So he wills it, but with his permissive will, but not his antecedent will. He didn't cause, he didn't possess Judas and say, go turn me in. Uh, But he knew it was going to happen. Like if you're walking on one side of the road and someone else is walking on the other and you see they're about to hit a sign, you allow them to hit the sign, right? They're walking along the the street and they hit a street sign with Mm -hmm. their head, you know, bam. You allowed them to, but you didn't cause them to. Sure. And that's the difference. And so he knows what's going to happen, and he, out of his providence, can draw great good out of it, which is, oh, happy fault, oh, necessary sin of Adam, which gained for us so great a redeemer. Right? So it's he allows bad, evil, as Augustine said, in order to draw greater good. Um, I think also we have to recognize that Jesus probably isn't trying to make a philosophical statement about being and non-being. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's not he's not uh, trying to be philosophical here. I don't believe because obviously existence is better than non-existence, sure. and so it better better than him not exist. Well, he probably did some good in his life, right? I mean, he um, he might have brought people to Jesus, and we never know. God can create good. So to him, not exist. It, it kind of makes me think of this. It's a wonderful life situation, sure. Um, and so even Judas not existing would be bad. I think he's speaking hyperbolically as he does many times in scripture, right? Where he says something, hate your father and mother. Mm-hmm. Okay. He doesn't really want us to hate them as we think of it. He's just speaking hyperbolically. It's a hyperbole so that we get a point. And the point is this Leon Blois said it in a positive way or, or focusing on the other side, which is the only great tragedy is to not become a saint. Hmm. And that's what the Lord means, I believe, is that it better for him not to be born. Like the seriousness of not becoming a saint. Sure. And which is the seriousness of sin, right? The rejection of God. So it's the other side of it. Right. Um, So I think that's how we should approach Judas and this statement of Jesus. Like it is a great, it hurts his heart. Mm. It's not like I'm sending him there. I'm, I'm pounding on him. It's I wanted to give him so much. You know, like he's looking over Jerusalem and weeping and like, Jerusalem, I wanted you to gather in like, I wanted to gather you in like a mother hen, right? Mm-hmm. And he's weeping over Jerusalem. He's weeping over Judas, who could have come back like Peter. And that's mm-hmm. what I want to end on is the, the analogy that was drawn for me. And I've kind of always seen this since then. Someone pointed out that in Les Miserables, you oh, familiar? Yeah, love it. Yeah. So Javert. Yeah. And Valjean. So Valjean's the protagonist. Well, he is Peter. So turn, not perfect, has sinned, turned away, but receives God's mercy. Was able to receive mercy. 
and not trying to earn it. And so Peter can have the Lord approach him and say, will you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Come back. And he comes back and he becomes the Pope and he lives out his vocation. Judas is like Javert. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch the play, read the book, Victor Hugo. Uh, watch the movie. Fantastic. Javert cannot receive mercy. He doesn't want to give mercy and he can't receive it. And so they actually in the play, in the musical, they have similar soliloquies with the same melody, but one ends up turning to good and one ends up committing suicide. Mm-hmm. So it reminds you of someone. Yes. Right. And so, um, what have I done? Sweet Jesus. What have I done? <sighs> become a thief in the night, become a dog on the run. Have I fallen so far as that I was so late that nothing remains but the cry of my hate, the cry in the dark that nobody hears, here where I stand at the turning of the years. Oh, my gosh. I'm just... It's beautiful. That's dumb. No, it's awesome. No, okay, so here's the line. Here's the line. beautiful comparison. He said, I am reaching, but I fall, and the night is closing in as I stare into the void. To the whirlpool of my sin. I'll escape now from that world, from the world of Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean is nothing now. Another story must begin. <laughs> One day more. So, um, so he ends this by saying he could have stared into the void and just lost all hope. Mm-hmm. It doesn't completely go into goodness here because he's kind of rejecting who he is. Eventually, later, he comes out and he says, I am Jean Valjean, whenever he um, doesn't let someone else die in his place. Mm-hmm. So he lives the truth of who he is, but he's moving back towards the truth where the opposite, which is Javert, Javert says this at the end. It's the same melody, okay? I am reaching, but I fall, and the stars are black and cold. As I stare into the void of a world that cannot hold, Mm. I'll escape now from the world, from the world of Jean Valjean. There is nowhere I can turn. There is no way to go on. And then he jumps into the Seine River and dies. So one at least moves towards truth and forgiveness and receiving mercy. And the other abandons, closes himself off from God's grace and abandons himself. Uh And I think that is the essence of what it means to be Judas as opposed to Peter. Hmm. We need to receive God's mercy no matter what we've done, no matter what you've done out there, whoever's listening. Be Jean Valjean, not Javert, because nobody wants to be Russell Crowe. Yeah, you're not alone. Man, you didn't, you didn't get the joke? Yeah, no one wants to be Russell Crowe. No, I got it. I got it. I was just kind of riding the the deep, beautiful thought wave that you were oh, creating there. Um, so finish us off, Adam. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, brilliantly. I love that. And I, that you, you pieced all that together. And it is helpful because, you know, Judas's despair is is what Jesus Mm. aches over pines over weeps over to think that love himself sat across the table from Judas. I just, can you imagine sitting human presence of Christ having him stare across the table at you 
and closing yourself off to that gaze, that gaze that is just pure love. I, and I wonder how often I'm subject to the same fear and interior hopelessness. And, uh, I mean, all of us, you know, I, I don't maybe you know, we're, we're all tempted to different degrees perhaps, but certainly at some point in our lives, we all encounter this. We just can't, we struggle at times for different reasons to let ourselves be loved. And like Jean Valjean, just to, to meet our human finitude and just offer that open-handed to God and say, I can't, I, I need you. I can't, I can't go beyond this <laughs> if any more on my own and I'll fall into some horrific sin and my shame would drive me there. Thanks. Yeah. This is a little unexpected, uh, joy bomb to talk about Judas today. <laughs> well, there was no one else I could have thought better <laughs> to, to invite in than you, Adam, um, you know, I, he's I, pretty much the opposite of Judas <laughs> for me, but, um, your oh. joy. So, uh, thanks. And I know that might not be a complete answer, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to go into Holy week, whoever's out there listening and take it to prayer, like bring it to that, that, that Wednesday <laughs> sometime during the week uh, of Holy week, Judas's betrayals in there. And then we start the triduum. So bring that in there. Who, mm. who do you need to reach out? Um, who, who you think is maybe hopeless and just be a spark, be that Peter, bring them back, um, reach out a hand, have a good, holy week and i promise you the next episode you listen to is gonna be insane we got some crazy people that are recording right before poker night and um just put on your your bro your bro jeans and your frat hat put on your hawaiian shirt and your rock socks and get ready oh yeah we'll see you next time god bless bye I dreamed a dream of days gone by. That's all. Hope is high (laughs) and life worth living. I dreamed a dream I never die. die.